attention to God's word. Can we celebrate God once more in this place and thank him for his faithfulness? For truly God is in this place and he's been good to each and every one of us. I want to remind you this is the day the Lord has made and we ought to rejoice and be and be glad in it. God indeed is with us as we turn our attention in God's word. We want to continue in our series called Forward. To all of our guests, we've been in a series uh, through the book of Acts. We've been watching and learning as the Holy Spirit has used the church, the body of Christ, to continue on mission, to celebrate Christ and to share Christ with others. We continue in that series as we look at Acts chapter 22. At least that's where we're going to begin. We're going to begin in the 22nd chapter of Acts. Uh, and by the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to follow a thread from that 22nd chapter all the way to the 26th chapter. Now, for those of you this is your first time here, don't let that scare you. Um, I promise you, you will be out before lunchtime, okay? Uh, but I, I, I hope that God would help us to see a truth that God would have all of us to learn as we continue in this journey called forward. We look at that 22nd chapter of Acts. I want to begin reading at the fourth verse. And let me set this up this way to let you know that this is God's chosen vessel, Paul, telling his testimony to those who are surrounding him in Jerusalem. They're not always happy that he is there, nor are they in favor of what he's sharing, but he's sharing it nonetheless. And so we pick up at he, him sharing his testimony in the fourth verse of the 22nd chapter. This is what he says, I persecuted this way. The way being the followers of Christ. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished." As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. After these events, God sent Paul to the prophet Ananias. And I want you to see in verse 14 what Ananias has said about Paul. Verse 14, same chapter. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. If you don't mind, just help me encourage your neighbor and just turn to them and just say these words after me. For you will be a witness to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Now say it with some Texas confidence, okay? Turn to them again and say, now you will be a witness to everyone of what you have seen and heard. I understand. I heard that y'all in there. I understand. 
that many of us, it's with trepidation that we repeat those words because it calls for us to take up the responsibility that God has for all of us who've been called by the Lord, all of us who've been gripped by God's grace, all of us who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we all have a responsibility to be a witness to everyone of what we have seen and heard in the powerful work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's called having a testimony. And on this Sunday morning, I want to share with you with this thought in our minds, and that is power of a testimony. Because God positions his people to share their story of his glory. God has positioned his people, you and I, who call on the name of Jesus, who call Christ our Lord. He's positioned us everywhere to share with everyone our story for his glory. Pray with me. So, Father, as we gather in this sacred space, we turn our attention to you. And Holy Spirit, we desperately need you to speak to us. Unless you speak, we cannot grow. Unless you speak, we, we cannot know you. And we so desire to know you deeper and that you would transform our minds and hearts into receptive soil for the seed of your word. That we might be able to produce fruit and, and glorify you in all that we do. That we might be your witnesses. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last Wednesday night, during our Wednesday night Bible study at 645, we're studying through the book of Colossians, and uh, we began to talk about that passage of Scripture where uh, he the Spirit of God compels the believers to bear fruit. At that time, I, I admitted to the class as I was teaching them that, that I was almost ready to cut down a tree in my backyard that's supposed to be a fruit tree. I told them that I was uh, ready to do it because it's tall, it's green, it has thorns all over it, but there is no fruit. And I was going to cut it down, and my, my daughter interceded on behalf of the tree. And she said, Daddy, don't cut it down because it's beautiful, it, it, it looks really good, and when all the other trees died, it would still the storm. I said, well, baby, since you asked me not to cut it down, I won't cut it down this time. But if this tree don't start bearing fruit, I'm going to cut this tree down. To which uh, some of the horticulturalists of our class uh, on Wednesday night uh, began to encourage me on how I might be able to get my tree to produce fruit. One of them suggested that I beat it with a bat, but I'm not, that's a whole other story. But, uh, but we were talking about the need to, to pollinate the tree, and we were saying how uh, it takes uh, bees and, and, and also butterflies to pollinate the tree. And so I, I began, we began to discuss how it was necessary, and then it dawned on me something about the importance of butterflies, that butterflies are, are used by God to pollinate flowers and trees, and as a result of it, we get fruit. Do you know the... Texas insect is a butterfly. In fact, the Texas insect, the state Texas insect, is the monarch butterfly. It migrates twice a year in the state of Texas, and as a result of it, we see blooms uh, that occur throughout the year. Um, but, but, but the butterfly doesn't start as a butterfly. No, for those of you who know, the butterfly starts as a caterpillar. 
And as a caterpillar, it's destructive. It eats away at the leaves. As the caterpillar, it takes and it takes and it takes until it makes its way through a transformation. And during the transformation, it transformed from a taker to a giver. Come here, I'm just trying to help you understand something. Apostle Paul says, that's my testimony. For at one time, I was a taker. I was going across the land trying to persecute the church. This is what Paul was doing as we read in the 22nd chapter here. His testimony, as he tells his story, he doesn't shy away from telling the hard truths about his life. He shows us that he wasn't perfect, that he had some, some dirt on his shoulder, that he had some skeletons in his closet. And you're quiet right now because you know, just like the Apostle Paul, you too have some. You too have a past, and God, if you're saved, has saved you from something. And so there he was. He was persecuting the church, but then something happened. As he was making his way to persecute the church, he ran into Jesus. Come here, I want to help you understand something, that he wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for him. That as he was making his way trying to go against the things of Jesus, Jesus thought enough of him to stop him in his tracks. And I don't know about you, but that might be a few of us in here who are honest enough to say, I'm so glad that Jesus was looking for me when I wasn't looking for him. And I'm so glad, Doug, he stopped me in my tracks when I was going the wrong direction. And so the Apostle Paul was going the wrong direction. But check this out. As bad as his life had been, the grace of God was able to transform his life for good. You're not with me just yet here. The Bible tells us all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purposes, that when God gets a grip on your life, whatever your life used to be, it won't be that way anymore. When God gets a grip on your life and you are uh, now touched by the love of God, feel the presence of God, have the forgiveness of God, have the redemption of God, you can't live the same way. You can't sing the same way. You can't celebrate the same way. Because when you gather in this place, you hear the psalmist says, let the redeemed of the Lord. I'm going to find out just for a moment here. Is there anybody who's been redeemed? Don't mind saying, listen, God has saved me and he saved me from something. But let the truth is, sometimes God saves us from ourselves. But I want you to see this in the 22nd chapter as we make our way because there is a consistent thread throughout these chapters that I want you to really zero in on. Because if we're going to have a powerful testimony, we have to first determine that a powerful testimony comes with a powerful transformation. Look at the transformation right there in the 22nd chapter. He was going against the church, and yet Jesus stopped him and brought him into the church. You're not with me just yet. He was rejecting the church, and now Jesus transforms his life, and now he's received by the church. He, he was outside the church, uh, and he didn't want anything to do with the church. But when God put his hand on him, when Christ spoke into his life, he then became not only a follower but a leader in the church. I, I may be talking to somebody up in here because you could testify you didn't start off in church. You may have not been born in church, but somewhere along your life, you're so grateful that God got a hold of you and not now you are a part of the church. And that's the prophecy that Ananias has on Paul. For he tells him that God is going to use him. He says, the God of our father, verse 14 again, has appointed you to know his will. He tells Paul that, that God that allowed him to see the righteousness, the righteous one, that's Jesus Christ, and to hear his voice. And he says, you will be a witness for him to everyone. And when God has made a difference in your life, and you've seen his transforming work in your life, it's because God wants to use your life 
so that others might see in your life the transforming work of God. Because some of you right now, if you're honest about it, God has been doing a work in your life, and he continues to do a work in your life. If you're anything like me, uh, God arrested your tongue because some of the words you used to use, you don't use no more. I'm talking to some real people here. Some of you right now, you used to be of, of the mindset that if somebody crossed you and, you, and, and they came against you, you would tell them like it's T.I. is. Who am I talking to up in here? Uh, I, I see one person who's honest enough to tell the truth. Look, we're real folk, and we serve a real God. And we, but when God arrests your attention, all of a sudden, he uses that very tongue that was talking against him to talk for him. He uses that very attitude that was a bad attitude, and he transforms it into a good attitude. Why? Because he wants us to be his witnesses. This is what Paul does, and as a result of it, we see a powerful transformation. But as we make our way to the 23rd chapter, we realize that everybody is not excited about his transformation. Everybody is not willing to want to hear about what God has done in his life. In fact, before I get to the 23rd chapter, go back at the 22nd chapter, right around that 22nd verse, look at what the people were saying about Paul. Up to this word, they were listening to him. Verse 22, then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. Listen, there will be some people who will hate the fact that God has transformed your life. When God transforms your life, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to like what's happening in your life. Because some people who were ride or die with you when you were doing wrong in your life will be the very people who come against you when you try to do right in your life. I'm trying to help you understand something. Because sometimes God will take you away from some stuff that he, that he took you out of so that he can use you to help deliver other people to realize that where they were going was in the wrong direction in the first place. They hated him because of the testimony that God had wrought in his life. Wrought, that's King James' word. I'm sorry, uh, you all, I, I grew up, you know with King James, and so it just kind of comes out. It oozes out every now and then, okay? Uh, but, but, but God had worked in his life, and because God had worked in his life, there are those who are high on haterade. Now I'm back now, there it is. Uh, who are high on haterade, who is coming against his life. But I want you to see that, that even though you have a powerful transformation, it doesn't mean that everyone will celebrate the transformation that God has in your life. And today, some of you will make a decision, and you'll see a transforming work in your life. I want to let you know that just because everybody don't agree with the transformation, don't like the transformation, won't support the transformation, you don't give up on the God who's able to transform life. Yeah. All right? Now, they hate him, so as a result of that, they, they put him in confinement. But check this out. In the 23rd verse, he's in confinement, he's in the barracks, he's in jail, if you would, but he's not in jail by himself. Because right there in the 11th verse of the 23rd chapter, it says, the following night. I hope you got your Bible still open. You're going to need it open for this ride. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Wait a minute, you all. In the 23rd chapter, they're ready to kill him, and they put him in prison. And look what I love about, about when you say yes to Christ. When you say yes to Christ and you have a powerful testimony, you also have a powerful intervention from Christ. 
You, you missed it already. Somebody said, uh, show me in the text. Well, I'm going to show you right here, Lori. It's right there in the text because right there you see he's in prison. He's locked up. He is, he, he is confined, but what locks you up won't lock God up. And Jesus stood right where he was even though he was locked up. I love this fact because I, I serve the kind of God who can get in it with you, that you're not in it by yourself, that when you say yes to him, he'll say yes to you. And when you stand up for God, God will stand. It's right there, y'all. It says the Lord stood with him. Ah, let me tell you, sometimes you'll feel like you're by yourself, but the presence of God will be with you because he's a powerful interventionist, that God is able to do something about what you're going through. But not only will his presence be there, it will also be his power to encourage you. Look what he tells him in verse 11. The Lord stood with him and said, take courage. Uh, you can take courage when the Lord that you serve steps in it with you. You can take courage when you know that you are not by yourself. You can take courage like David did. When David said, yea, though I walk through the valley, that, that King James again, you see it there? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art I got some Bible readers in here. Thou art with me. You can take courage against those who come against you when you know that you're not in it by yourself, that God is with you, and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So here's his testimony. It's a powerful testimony of personal intervention. And Paul isn't the only one who to experience God's intervention. Because I have a sneaky suspicion and a funny feeling that there's some people in here that you could testify that God has intervened in some places in my life. That there's some times I didn't know how I was going to make it. I thought that I wouldn't make it out. But then God, in the middle of the midnight hour, God stepped in and he intervened in my life. There's some times where everybody else walked out on me, but that's when God walked in with me and he intervened. Mm. We got five chapters to go. All right, let me, let me flow here. Let me flow here. So, so there, there, we're in the 23rd chapter. In the 23rd chapter, Fred, it says that there is a personal intervention. Because when you have a personal relationship with the real God, you know the living Christ is living forevermore, and he's living to intercede on your behalf. That's chapter 23. Um, but as we make our way, then there's chapter 24. And look with me at chapter 24. For there in chapter 24, he's now being hopscotched from court to court, from trial to trial. And there are those who are trying to raise accusation against this minister of the gospel. Glenn, there are those who don't like his testimony and are trying to, to cause, call for his, his very death. And so God is using him, though, that even though they're calling for his death, God still preserves his life and places him in places where he can testify about the goodness of Christ. Before we read in 24, let me just help you understand something. The place you are in now may be your assignment that God has for your life that you can testify about how good God has been in your life. Yeah. Did you catch that? Yeah. That right now, even if it's a difficult season in your life, it may be God's assignment for your life that even though you're going through a difficult season in life, that you're able to testify about his goodness even though you're going through trouble. Anybody ever, ever went through some trouble and is in the midst of the trouble where you realize that God said to you, trouble don't last always? Anybody ever been in a situation, in a place or a predicament where all of a sudden the peace of God, it didn't make sense? Everybody else was losing their minds. Everybody else was worrying about everything and they're trying to figure out why you're not worried, why you're not afraid, and you can just say, I don't know either. It's just the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that keeps your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's really what happens in chapter 24. 
But chapter 24, you see the presence of God because look, look with me at verse 14. Paul says, as they are coming against him and accusing him, he says, but this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers. Wait a minute. He started against the way, and now he's a part of, boy, if I had some time in here. Now he's a part of the way. Don't tell me what my God can't do. God can, listen, wherever you are right now, God can transform you. But listen, look look how he confesses. He says, but this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept. And there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Check out his confession. It's a purposeful confession, a purposeful confession made with a purpose. Check it out. His confession is, wait a minute, I was against the way, but now I'm in the way. I'm following the way because Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. But not only is the way, the truth, and the life, he says, I'm following the way, but I love this. He says, I believe everything that was laid down. Somebody say something that was laid down. I believe everything that was laid down, that was laid down in the scripture. Check out how you can live your life in a powerful way with a powerful testimony. You believe the word of God, you live the word of God, and you search the word of God because in the word of God is truth. In the word of God is a knowledge of God. That's why the psalmist says, your word will be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's why the Bible declares, if you want to be blessed, it says the blessed man uh, meditates on his word day and night. You want to be blessed in this life? You want to celebrate God's goodness in this life? Get into the word of God and you'll see how the word of God will be a blessing to your life. It's a purposeful testimony because in his testimony, not only does he talk about his past life, he talks about what Christ has done in his life, and what he anticipates in the life to come. It's right there, you all. He says because he's testifying that Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. Uh, not, that, that means then that not only was Jesus, not only did Jesus die on the cross, he said, but when he was in the empty tomb, he resurrected from the grave, and he lives forevermore. Look, look, look with me, same chapter, chapter 24, verse 21. He says, other than this one thing, Paul says, this one thing that I cried. You, you want to say I'm guilty? Well, there's only one thing I'm guilty of. This one thing I cried out while standing among you. It is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you on this day. Hear me, saints of God. When God puts you in position to share your truth and share your testimony, that's the horizontal plane. But quickly, you want to get to that vertical plane. That, yes, I was out there. Yes, I did mess up. Yes, I did sin. But that's not the end of the story. No, let me tell you what God has done. He's made me a new creation because all all things are new in Christ. He's transformed my life. He's used me. And just as he resurrected on Calvary, he's resurrected some hope in my life. And as I live this life, I look forward to a glorious day where I'm going to resurrect again to be with the living Savior for the rest of my life, all of eternity. It's, it's a purposeful confession. Oh, but then, uh, what chapter I said we're in? Okay, now we're in chapter 25. Right there in chapter 25, just look at one verse in chapter 25 for, for time's sake. Look at one verse. Uh, verse 19, he says, rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion 
and about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Listen, we live in a society and a culture that says our Jesus is dead. Yes, he did die, but he is not dead. How do you know he's not dead? Because he lives. I had some time, boy. He lives within my heart. How do you know Jesus is alive? Because I told you last week, my grandma said he walks with me. How do you know that Jesus is still risen and that he's the risen redeemer, savior, and king? It's because you know what he's done in your life. Has God transformed you through Jesus Christ? Has God given you hope through Jesus Christ? Has God given you redemption through Jesus Christ? Then you know he's real and you help others to know that my Jesus is It makes a difference when you know he lives. It changes how you live when you know that he lives. Uh, But when you know he lives, you know what he does for all of us to have that powerful testimony. Because, Doug, now we're in chapter 26. Chapter 26, look with me at verse 15. At verse 15 in chapter 26, Paul declares that it was Jesus what Paul says, and I said, who are you, Lord? He's going back to his testimony. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are crucifying. Uh, crucifying, help me, Jesus. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. Delivering you, check it out, verse 17, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God and they may receive forgiveness of their sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I hope you see this. Christ says he's called and given this testimony so that Paul might be a witness to help others know how to turn from darkness to light. He said he sent Paul into dark places to help folk who are caught up in darkness know that there's a better way to live, that there's a a hopeful way to live, and that's in Christ Jesus. And you wonder why God has placed you where he's placed you, where you work where you work, where you go to school where you go to school, where you live where you live, because God sends light in dark places. And he doesn't want you to hide your light. He wants you to use your light with the confidence that he's going to let your light shine, that others might know the way out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as he does it, know that you have a perpetual protection. Let me put it this way. You're under protective custody. That when you come to Jesus and Jesus has his hand on you, that means Satan can't put his hand on you. You're not with me just yet here. That when you come to Jesus and you say yes to him and you confess him as your Lord, he takes you out of the grips of Satan and place his power on you and within you that there'll be no power that can come upon you that's greater than the power that's already in you and you can walk with confidence knowing that the king has you. All right, all right. Let me, let me close it like this. Um, um, in the Louvre, um, right next to Mona Lisa was a painting. There was a painting in the Louvre right next to Mona Lisa. It, it was called Checkmate. 
It's called Checkmate because in this painting in the Louvre, uh, right next to Mona Lisa is the, the, the sinister being that's supposed to represent Satan uh, at a chessboard, and it looks like he has more pieces at play than the man who is worrying uh, uh, the sweat on his brow. Uh, right there, it's called Checkmate. But then something happened. Let me check this, check this out. A chess master happened to visit the Louvre. He wanted to see this painting. Uh, it was a real story, and here he sees the painting, and he looks at it. Anthony, for about two hours, he's looking at the painting. He's a chess master. He's, he's moving with motion with his finger and he, he, he's motioning and, and moving about and he, he looks again and he moves about again and he looks again and then he says, I, I need the museum curator to come here. He calls the museum curator. He says, uh, uh, sir, uh, you need to change the title of this painting or you need to just take it down. The curator says to him, well, sir, what do you mean? He, said, he says, it's called checkmate uh, because the devil is winning. He says, he says, no, 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 no. I'm an international chess champion, and, I, and I've done the calculations. I, I, I see the moves. I see what Satan is trying to do. He says, but as I look at the board, I see the king has one more move. Come here. I'm trying to help you understand something, that when you are in the hand of God, no matter what's faced in your life, the king has a move, and when he moves, you are in his care. You are with his promise. When he makes his move in your life, he transforms your life from a life of sin to a life of glory. He transforms your life from a life of worry to a life of redemption. He transforms your life from a life of being lost to being found. He transforms your life from, li from a life of hatred to a life of love. When the king makes his move, your life will never be the same again. And he'll use your life to help others see the power that he works in your life, that they might know he can work that same power Amen. in their lives. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand all over this building. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.